You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to the Limhanger Turkey Hunt Podcast, brought to you by Grounded Brand and their new Impact 2.0 Turkey Vest. Get grounded at groundedbrand.com. The Limhanger Turkey Hunt Podcast strives to bring opinions and discussions from all aspects of the turkey hunting community, from legendary turkey hunters who hunted in military fatigues to the modern day hunters embracing technology while maintaining traditions passed along for generations. All are welcome at this roundtable conversation about one of the wariest creatures in North America, the wild turkey. Now stick around. It's going to be a great show. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Limb Hanger Turkey Hunting Podcast. My name's Parker McDonald, and I wasn't here on the on the show last week, but I do want to say that I thoroughly enjoyed the episode. Um, Matt, or not Matt, Adam and Joey, you guys knocked it out of the park. And uh, great job. Awesome podcast. I want to say, though, Adam, I was a little bit disappointed that we really didn't get to hear much about your successful hunt in that episode. And so I think we probably should talk about it today. That was just me being humble, man. I didn't want to, <laughs> didn't want to talk about myself. <laughs> you did talk, you did share the story about the gobblers and banditos, um, yes. which is really the most Texas experience I think you could possibly have. Absolutely. So uh, I'm hoping we're going to hear about this story this week. Um, I know you talked last week that we were supposed to have an episode with uh, with somebody about talking yeah. kind of further, talking about the outfitter type thing, how to plan an outfitter that fell through last minute. So here we are. Yeah, we were going to talk more about outfitting, uh, outfitted hunts. Uh, we had a really good kind of a turkey shotgun episode lined up, but just happened to fall through, so we'll reschedule that one for a different time. And I, th- I think uh, getting into some tactics, things of that nature, is it's overdue. So we're it's, ready for it. Yeah. yeah, I've been been watering at the mouth, trying to get into some, wanting to get into some tactical discussions 
been wanting to do that for like a month now. Heck so, yeah, I guess, dude. I guess I'm just the only one that just hasn't felt like it's turkey season. Even though I've been turkey hunting a couple times, I went to Florida, I went to Texas. I've uh, I've been in this mode of like still preparation and still like waiting and um, I guess like holding back on the tactics thing. Just been holding back too long. We we probably should have got going a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm still in that preparation. I'm still in that preparation mode, and that is three days away from season. I finally patterned my shotgun today. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you, you Tennessee boys, though. Tennessee boys are. It is. It's a very strange thing going on right yeah. now. Like. Yeah, I've yeah. got a lot of friends in Tennessee and I'm used to like Tennessee had, in the past opened up, you know, kind of average time frame for a lot of states. And now all these Tennessee guys are like, it does. It feels like we've been in Turkey season for a minute and you guys yeah. haven't even really kicked off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we I was riding around one week after you guys. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. I was riding around today and I noticed the uh, green up that was happening. Um, and it's right on time this year. Versus last year, which it seemed like it almost never showed up last year. And when it did, it was boom. It was like a light switch. Um, but it's right on time this year, um, mid-April. And uh, I remember a couple of years ago, it was pretty early. But hunting should be good. I'm not, I'm not really upset about that later date right now. Because uh, I'm still anxious to see what it does for pressure. But the hunting should be good. Yeah, I've I've been curious about like just what Tennessee, you know, could potentially kind of set standards for the rest of the Southeast. You know what I'm saying? Like seeing how this goes, if it if you guys do see some benefit from it, from this later, like significantly later start date. You know what I mean? Like it's not just like it's a little bit later; like it's pretty good bit later. But then it's also mm-hmm. going, it's also going back later into May, correct? Yes, they did not take okay. days away from us, so we still have that six week, seven weekend uh, season. So we close on the Sunday of Memorial Day weekend, which is fine with me. I was very happy they didn't take any days away from us. You know, even though we've got six weeks to fill two tags, we still have all that opportunity, like to take somebody else, like if we tag out early. That's that's interesting data. I think that's going to create some interesting data because we mm-hmm. talk about, you know, the like the majority of the turkeys that get killed get killed on that opening weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm interested to see if the same amount of turkeys get killed in the same amount of days. You know what I'm saying? I would bet that we kill more turkeys the first two weeks of this season versus the first two weeks of previous seasons. I'll okay. I'll take that bet and I'll say we'll kill well here's what I'll say I'll say we'll kill more this weekend versus last year's opening weekend so there'll be more kills opening weekend but I think you'll see a severe decline the second weekend versus last year's second weekend and I think that's where things really will start to show show up because we've talked about it before um I'm not trying to apply pressure late season pressure to Tennessee but I do not feel like our um our state carries hunters late into the year. Uh, it feels like there's a significant decline of hunting pressure, mm-hmm. and that has a lot to do with weather. It just getting hot, and a lot of people, I mean, they don't want to be out there when it's hot, and that's fine. 
Um, I'm afraid, Parker, to your your question of seeing if this will set a standard. I don't know that the state of Tennessee will actually commit to doing this long term. And if they don't commit to doing this long term, we're not going to get a sample size of what could have happened or what the results could have been. However, we do we can go look and see what they did to those southern middle Tennessee counties. And it's the same it's the same thing. They started them two weeks late. They cut back to two tags. And I was down in Wayne County, which is one of the counties that was hardest hit um, by a harvest decline. And so when you look at that from 01 to I think like 017, there was like a 65 to 70 percent decline in harvest numbers. And I'm talking to my cousins who I wouldn't say that they're just like turkey hunters. That's not all. But they're deer hunters that turkey hunt and they care about turkey hunting. Um, my brother is putting that same boat and asking them, like, what are you seeing for turkeys? And man, their eyes are lighting up and saying, we got more turkeys than we've had in five to 10 years. And they are pointing to the fact of that late season open. Um, and I think it'll go back to people. It's not the fact that people are going to um, kill less turkeys opening weekend. It's the fact that they're not going to hunt maybe that second or third weekend. And then it just completely tails off. So if you lose, 25% of your harvest because you're, you're not customers, but if your hunters stop hunting, that's a big freaking deal. Um, so we'll see. Yeah. It's interesting. It's, it's, it's easy to get to talking about those type of things. Cause that's, I mean, in our day to day stuff, we talk about it quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, just thoughts, opinions, you know, whatever. Um, but that's not in fact what we're talking about today. Uh, you guys had a successful, like a, like a really nice uh, youth opener there in uh, or opening weekend, I should say mm-hmm. there in Tennessee. And Adam, we got to talk about your bird that you killed in Texas. And I have not been able to uh, share the story, which is a pretty fun story of the Osceola that I killed the second bird that I killed in Florida. And so we had this idea. Um, we were kind of brainstorming a little bit last night about, um, Adam, I'm going to let you kind of explain it because you're the one with the military background, kind of the parallels there. So when I was in the military uh, and anyone that's in the military and you go on a legitimate mission, let's say you're in Iraq, you're in Afghanistan and you're going to go on a mission. The first thing you do as soon as you come back is you do a debrief with your unit. You understand what went wrong what went right, what could we have done differently? And really your unit is getting together to gather that information to go out and to be better next time, right? And as what we talked about uh, over the last couple of days of how can we do a better job of storytelling? How can we do a better job of bringing value to our listeners and helping them uh, understand what went right and wrong, not only in our own hunts, but in our guest hunts, is really trying to structure a debrief around that. Even in the business world, I went through a, a three-day class that was completely centered around a bunch of Air Force guys, had got pilots had got together, they've created this consulting firm. And what they do is they really preach the debrief. They, they say, hey, you know, this is the most important part of your business. So in business, military, and I think we can also utilize this in, in turkey hunting is just to get around and understand what is right, what what went right, what went wrong, and how can we do a better job of it, but be very structured uh, about the way that we do that. So we're going to go through here. We're going to talk about each other's stories, and we're going to pick pick it apart, really, and we're going to try to learn something from it. 
I like it. Let's do it. I like it. So the freshest one on our minds is uh, the one from this weekend where you guys got to go on turkey hunt with, with one of Adam's boys, or both Adam's boys, two of Adam's three. And uh, <laughs> golly, all over the place. One of one, one or two or two of the three, something like that. Um, but had some success and Joey, you got to be a part of it. I want to hear, I want to hear this story. And I guess since both of you guys were part of this hunt, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of pick, I'm going to ask some questions based around what you did. So set the stage for us, uh, for this hunt. So I'll go first. Um, I was able to scout this place. <clears throat> a handful of mornings just go listen and just get some pins on birds just so we have a handful of spots to try out and it turned out we just had to have one spot uh we found one spot that had several birds and i think several is accurate because we heard a lot of birds from that one general area um and the night before i went walking down uh, the trailhead there and actually ran into some turkeys the hens kind of spooked they kind of crawled up on me and spooked around me they flushed i had one land in a tree right above me i sent you guys that polo uh, so that was pretty cool but the i had ran into these turkeys because i'd heard a gobbler i mean a few hundred yards at least way down the trail and i was kind of easing my way down through there and after just a few minutes, one gobbled probably 75 yards away in a pasture, you know, off the side of the trail. And so I froze, you know, kind of tucked back into some cover there. And uh, he gobbled once or twice more. Um, and then I could actually see him and his hens crossing the road, probably 60 yards up in front of me through some brush. And I thought they were going to go off into the holler across the road from that trail or from that uh, field. And they started to do that. And for some reason, the hens came back up to the trail and started walking right up towards me. Well, when I saw them kind of going off into that holler, I kind of got out of my cover and I got, it was like a, uh, I guess you could call it like an intersection of two trails. So I kind of got in the middle of this secondary trail and I was kind of just out in the middle, nothing around me. And I uh, had my dog Moose with me too. I was just taking him with me to listen for turkeys. And these hens start coming back up the trail. And I'm just like, well, if I move to go get into cover, I'm for sure going to flush them. So I just sit on the ground and I'm just sitting there holding Moose. He's sitting there. Uh, he's wanting to just lose his mind at these turkeys. I know it. Uh, but the hens come up, they get like 12 yards away from us they start just flushing, you know, they, I don't know, they, they probably couldn't have flushed, but I think he just wanted to, if that makes any sense. Like they didn't, like we didn't scare them. They were like, eh, I don't know what that is sitting there. So I'm just going to fly over it. <laughs> um, and then the gobbler was right there in amongst them. And he was like the same distance away. Saw us. I mean, just kind of cocked his head, looked at us. He never putted, never clucked never did anything. He just kind of just turned back up into the brush and on up into the field. And I never saw or heard him again. I never heard him fly up. It was close enough to fly up. I was like, okay, I'll, I'll at least be able to hear him fly up probably get a really good location on him and we can get in there tight and do something with him in the morning. 
well, I never heard him fly up, never heard him gobble again. And I don't think I bumped him on my way out when it got dark. And uh, so we were going to start there. What, what, kind of, what kind of terrain are we looking at here? We're talking like hills and hollers. It wasn't much flat. Like, uh, ridges and hollers, I guess, really. A lot of crops or mostly just mostly woods type stuff. A lot of hardwoods and okay. a open area here or there. Okay. A so pine thicket occasionally. So kind of your typical southern typical southern WMA. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um and we get there uh I get there really early <laughs> the next morning. Uh I don't know if you guys saw that that reel that uh Parker shared the other day <laughs> about me describing this uh this guy that we actually saw later that day. He was talking about uh you know youth weekend and he's like, man, people people still come in here like 3 30 in the morning uh, to get a spot. And I'm sitting there thinking, yeah, that was me. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was me. You know, Adam and Adam and his boys had a fruit that what, what did it take you uh, to get there? An hour? About, about an hour and 10 minutes, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So I was going to try and get there. It was closer to my house, you know, get there, hold a spot. And when they got there, we could walk in. We walked in way earlier than we really needed to. His two boys kind of fell asleep laying on the ground while we were sitting there waiting for it to get a little daylight. But um, we finally heard a turkey gobble. And I think from where we were standing at them, what would you say? Maybe a couple hundred yards or so? Maybe, maybe 250? Yeah. 200, 300 yards, maybe. Yeah. And so I'm thinking, man, that cannot be that turkey that I bumped yesterday. Didn't hear him fly up. Didn't hear him gobble but it was so close to fly up that I didn't think he would go all the way out there. And looking probably back, 400 yards from where you thought he would be, right? It yeah. Kind of in a different direction. Yeah, I thought he was going to be um, like on the other side of the pasture. When I saw him turn back into that breast the night before and go into that field, I thought he was going across on the other side of this ridge and was going to roost over there. Um, but I, now that I'm looking back, I think it was that same turkey. And he covered some ground before dark. So I maybe I did bump him and just didn't know about it. Maybe he was running <laughs> towards that roost tree uh, on my way out. Um, but anyway, he gobbled and we were kind of contemplating, I think, right then if that was him or not. Uh, because right, if it so, wasn't him. So when he gobbles, we're in, mm -hmm. we're in hilly terrain, right? Um, mm -hmm. Is it, tell me, like, where does he gobble like? below you guys in a bottom is he are y'all just kind of even elevation right here i think we're on the even elevation yeah. but he was on the tip of a small finger okay if i looking back if i can remember the map in my head i think that finger wasn't that long off that main ridge i'm looking at it yes he was on a small finger so there's like a couple of fingers and this one is a a small finger that he was on yeah and there's kind of a creek running through that bottom uh, might be in a dry gully and there's about a hundred foot of elevation change. Um, but he was about even with us. So, yeah. yeah. The good thing regardless uh, was that we separated or I separated his hens from him that night before when they flushed, they flew off wherever they scattered and he was left without hens. So that played into our advantage uh, that I inadvertently did that. But so it's still, you could still consider it early season up here last weekend. 
not a whole lot of green up. Stuff's starting to bud out, but there's not hardly any green stuff on the ground. Um, and we had the we had two boys with us, so we had four people that we would try to need to try to conceal should we were should we make a move on this gobbler. And beans, it was so open, and from that bird's vantage point, he could probably see that road right down to the base of that finger. So we crept up, what, Adam, a couple hundred yards, maybe. Maybe a hundred yards, yeah. Maybe a hundred-something yards. And kind of got set up on that trailhead. My thought was that he would pitch down, come down that finger, and come down that road towards where he saw those hens fly off the night before. Um, and he gobbled, he gobbled pretty good on the roost, and then he pitched down, and I think he ended up in that creek bottom. Yeah. Which surprised me. You know, he didn't have any hens. What's crazy about that, it surprises me every time that they pitch down into these creek bottoms, but I feel like I see it more and more. Like, I see a lot of turkeys pitch down into creek bottoms and freaking just start their day there. Well, it surprised me because he was by himself. If he'd have been with hens, I, I wouldn't surprise me to see those hens go down there because that's their food and there's water down there. Mm-hmm. But I still think he pitched to that ridge and then walked down to that bottom. So maybe he did hear the hens fly down. I never heard them fly down. Well, he definitely uh, made separation from us yeah. and got away from us. What was your calling like right here? So while he y'all got set up, he's on the limb still. What mm-hmm. what were you giving him? So right when we were setting up, I kind of got out down toward down the trail, just a few I don't know handful of yards away from our little setup right there, and I just did. I think I did some tree yelps. Uh, I didn't, I wasn't able to get my wing out of my bag just right quick. So I just used my hat, flat my hat. Like I, I wanted to, I wanted to try to be that first hen on the ground. And I think I was, I just didn't think that, I just don't think that he had any, just really didn't have any desire to come, come down that ridge and come down that trail right then. And so I think he gobbled at that. He gobbled really good really good on the limb and then he pitched down like i said and i think he walked he walked down to that bottom because it got muffled there for a little while and he continued to gobble on his own now what uh what i've started doing the last handful of years is if a bird's hot like that if he's gobbling on his own like i don't call to him i call on a response to him now i may do like feeding calls uh like whines hers raking in the leaves because i like to call turkeys <laughs> and uh <laughs> if i'm gonna do anything i might as well just sound like a feeding hen or something that's not gonna bump or you know booger anything. man i think a lot of guys get confused whenever you hear people uh especially a lot of like old timers just to bring it up in old pro turkey hunter he talks about you know make five yelps sit against the tree and wait Find sign, make a couple yelps, wait. Um, like, we see that, we hear people talk about that. It's really easy to get tempted to call, but it sounds to me like your approach is like, there's a big, huge difference between these more feeding 
casual sounds versus calling mm-hmm. to a gobbler in hope yeah. for a response. Yeah. Well, you know, if you listen to a group of turkeys in the woods, they make a racket the entire time. They're either, they do those whines, they do those purrs, they yelp maybe just a little bit. Um, they make noise. And I'm impatient. I've got ADD and I like to call turkeys. So I'll just make those noises instead of, you know, doing that loud stuff and risk bumping him. Now, when he gobbled, like every other gobble or so, I would answer him. Like I'd try to cut him off best as I could with cuts, excited yelps or whatever, and just let him know that I'm interested in him. And the table started to turn in our direction when uh, uh, he was gobbling to us. Like I thought he wasn't just like gobbling to attract hens. I think, I think he was gobbling to right directly to us. And then I was answering him, but it took, he was real quirky. It took him forever to wind around. He'd come up out of that Creek bottom. He came up this little secondary drainage or holler or whatever. Um, it took him a while and maybe he encountered some hens down there in that Creek bottom and they wanted, didn't want nothing to do with him or whatever. But I think from the time that we sat down, from the time that we had that first shot opportunity, you know, it's kind of a foreshadowing right there. Uh, that was nearly two hours. Okay. So I'd it, say, it, like, I guess one of the questions minute. I had, you know, probably while we were sitting there, is you could have either changed your volume, tone, and pitch when we thought that gobbler was getting away, but you didn't. And I kind of thought he was slipping away. He was sliding out of there. He's going to do something different. But you kind of stayed consistent with your conversation, we'll call it, with him. And that seemed to work. Why didn't you why didn't you throw a change up at him? What at that moment, like you, it had to be, I think it had to go through your mind at the same time as it was mine. Like, okay, we're kind of a make or break. He mm-hmm. might be peeling out of here. Like, what was your decision-making process? Well, I had made a vow to myself before this season that I was going to be more patient. And I just tried to implement that right then and there. And plus we got four people, you know, if, if something I could have changed up my calling, but I don't know that it would really made a difference. Like, I don't think the calling uh was really a made a difference to bring him in now hindsight we might could have repositioned once he pitched down in that creek bottom we might could have scooted around got on that secondary finger that he was roosted on and called him up there shoulda woulda coulda but i just wanted to be patient like and in the back of my mind okay he, he didn't roost with those hens i think there's just a lower lower chance that he's got hens and he just kept gobbling uh, pretty steady. I think he got quiet for a little while, a time or two, but, um, and he was in the right direction. Like he never gobbled back behind us. He didn't circle us. Yeah. And the, the main road to this WMA was on the other side of him and there was traffic, you know, it was pretty busy for youth weekend. So he was either going to, go up that other ridge, you know, across the holler, go up the holler or come up to our ridge and walk down towards us. That That's what I was thinking. I was just thinking like, I'll just wait until I know for sure that he's going somewhere else. And 
for that entire time, I didn't feel like he was really leaving. I just felt like he was meandering uh, just in that little area. Was it was it just the amount of gobbling that he was doing that you knew he was too interested to just leave? Was that like the yeah. main the main giveaway for you? Yeah, I think so. I mean, he was he was gobbling to us, you know, like I said, uh, and I'd answer him and he'd gobble right back at that. So I knew he was pretty fired up. But like I said, he was quirky and that he took the long way around like he looking at the map. He kind of did an S yeah. to kind of mm-hmm. get to us, come down that finger went down to that creek bottom, come back up this drainage. Um, and he crossed the road out of sight. So we could see, I don't know how far down that road, that trail we could see, maybe what, 50-something yards, maybe, yeah. till it got a bend in the road. Would you Would you say, Ooh, though, road, yeah. would you say, though, that this bird, um, like, did he seem like he was being cautious maybe because he saw you the day before? That could have been. You know, he he kind of acted like a pressured bird uh, looking back at it. We walked right by him, though. I mean, yeah, he probably could have seen cover from of, the truck sitting there swinging her legs and drinking coffee. Yeah, he very well could have. Um, <laughs> you know, heard all that traffic on the road, heard us walking down the road, and, you know, rocks popping up under our feet. Um, yeah, we walked right by that finger and from that trail to where he was roosted was maybe a hundred something, 200 something yards. Yeah. So there's moonlight, um, no foliage. Yeah. Clear trees. So he very well, I mean, very well could have just made him nervous. And, um, that's why he took that long way around. No doubt he had heard us that morning. There's yeah. no doubt in the, in my mind he'd heard us. Yeah. He had to have. Um, because it was still, um, and there was four people. I mean, how, how I can, quiet can four people be? I can just tell you, I, I can tell you right now where I would have screwed up. I feel like there's this voice inside of me whenever the turkey starts leaving that, but he's been gobbling kind of the way that like in y'all's scenario, I would have said he he ain't trying to find a lady. He wants a hoe right now. <laughs> and I would have, I would have started cranking it up. You know what I mean? Um, That's probably what I'd have done too, Parker. And That's probably where I screwed it up. Yeah, I, I absolutely. I know if I were to screw up. Now, I will say, Joey, it seems like I make smarter decisions when I'm not the one that's going to pull the trigger. So you were talking about like you you had kind of tried to talk yourself into being a little more patient. And um, that's really what you're going to work on this year. But also you were starting off. Like you just have a clearer head when you're not the one who has to seal the deal. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so you you think about things a lot more clearly, I think, and like you make mm-hmm. wiser decisions based on what you actually know, not what your heart thumping and adrenaline is telling you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so that I I think that that probably plays into your kind of where y'all were at right there because neither mm-hmm. one of you guys, I'm sure y'all were bouncing all this off of each other all your moves off of each other a little bit. No, we weren't close enough. Oh, okay. We weren't close enough to really talk to each other while we were set up. But I mean, while we were up, you know, moving around or whatever. Yeah. We were constantly back and forth asking each other, whatever. 
Um, and neither one of you guys had to pull the trigger. That was the only point I was trying to make is like, y'all are able to make good decisions, mm-hmm. clear headed decisions, man. I, I feel yeah. like too, whenever I hunt with other people, I feel like I just make a little bit better decisions. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, Cause I, you can just go back and forth versus when I'm by myself and I get in my yeah. own head and I'm like, do I do this? What do I, what if, but I heard mm-hmm. this, you know, this happened the last time and you get to thinking, you just kind of fall apart. That's where I'm at. Yeah. Yeah. And with kids, it's easier to be a little bit more patient. I think be less aggressive, kind of lay back because if it had been me and Joey and not that we would have done this, but we would have done anything that it took to get in within range of that gobbler. Like we'd have crawled across coals, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but with kids, you can't do that. Like we had to think more in terms of like, can we actually cross anything and halfway be quiet? Yeah. Probably not. Yeah. So to, I'll try to make this a little quicker just so we could talk about the next day. Um, so the bird crosses the road way up there out of sight. And he's actually in the field that I saw him in the night before, just at kind of like the other end of it. And he's gobbling in the field. And if it was at that point that I thought he might leave because I thought he was going to get out in that field. We didn't have a decoy out either. I mean, it was all, it was just us, and uh, and that was it. Um, we didn't throw a decoy out. Had one in my vest, uh, but we didn't have it out right then. And so I was real worried that he was going to, the trail was kind of below that hill. There was maybe, what, a 10-foot maybe elevation difference from that where that field was down to that road. Yeah. Um, so... In my mind, I'm like, well, if he doesn't leave, he's going to poke his head up on the edge of that field, look down at this road, and not see anything he wants to see and get out of there. Surprisingly, he came through that brush, and it wasn't until he got to the bottom of that little hill on the edge of that road on the other side that he saw what he didn't, that he didn't see what he wanted to see. Now, it was uh, Adam's youngest son was there on the gun and I, Adam, you'll probably have to take over for a few minutes. I forget the reason, but he didn't want to pull the trigger. Yeah. Uh, the bird was moving, but I'll let you explain what he told you, why he didn't really want to pull the trigger. I'd say when that bird popped out, he might've been what, tw- maybe 20 yards from us. Tight. Yeah. It was very tight. It was tight cover. And when he came out, he came out looking for a hen, and he was on a mission. He was out there to find a hen. He was not just strutting around, showing his stuff. He was trying to connect and go, and he was doing it fast. So, you know, Luke and I, we were at one position paralleling uh, this timber, and so he had to make a big-time shift and movement with his gun once that bird was in the field. So he's kind of at an awkward spot where I've got – I had my hand on my knee and a crook in my elbow and he's got the gun in that crook. And so he's in a really weird, awkward position, but he's ready. I mean, he's like right on that Turkey and I'm asking him, can you see him? He's saying, yes. Um, And I'm saying, you know, get on his head and shoot, get on his head and shoot. And he's not shooting, but this is like very quick. I mean, this is just, we have literally seconds because this Turkey, he's just on the move. And after he did not shoot, he kind of crests by us and and gets around us, comes back into that same area that we are, but dips off into some brush, kind of back down towards that holler, um, way out of sight that we didn't see. And I asked him, I said, you know, 
what happened? And he said, well, I just didn't have a good clear shot opportunity. And I said, well, son, you're throwing, you know, a couple of basketballs through that brush. You got to be more like Parker McDonald and you got to send it, son. <laughs> so you got to be more aggressive. <laughs> and he was, he never got down on himself. He just kind of took up. He's like, no, nah, that wasn't a good shot. I, you know, and I'm, I was proud of him for that. He's yep. like, Hey, I didn't want to injure the turkey. You didn't want to miss the turkey. <laughs> yep. uh, but I guarantee you daddy knowing like shooting that TSS through there would have <laughs> oh, sent, yeah. sent TSS all over that bird <laughs> a yep. couple of times. Yeah. If any three of us had been on the gun, that would have been a dead turkey or at least been shot at. Oh, uh, yeah. But yeah, he, he ends up going back down in the holler uh, that he came from. And it was at that point, we all stood up. I mean, we we're kind of looking at each other. Uh, we all stand up. We've been sitting there for two hours. You know, all this happened within a two hour time period. So we were kind of stove up a little bit. So we're standing around there. We're kind of out in the middle of the road. There's a fallen tree. There's a tree across the road, not a big one. I mean, it was what, like maybe a foot in diameter. It wasn't enough that it was, you know, you couldn't shoot over it or nothing like that. Yeah. And that was another reason that we sat where we did sit because we got up to that tree and we were like, well, if we get back way away from this tree and have that tree between the gobbler and us, our luck, he's going to come right down that road and stop at this stupid tree yep. and not come across it. So we got kind of, we got, you know, really close to that tree. Um, but anyway, we were standing there talking and it wasn't but a couple minutes or whatever. I think we heard walking in the leaves. Yeah. We and, were standing up getting ready to leave. We we're talking about going to breakfast. Yeah. And uh, here's something walking in the leaves. So we kind of put our mask up, kind of just sco scooch down a little bit. And then I think he gobbled. Yeah. Did he on, gobble right then? Yeah. Either you called or he just gobbled spontaneously, but he was on top of us. Yeah. And we just kind of, uh, his older son actually got on the other side of the tree, was actually facing right down the road. I mean, we didn't really have time to get into cover. So we just kind of huddled around this tree. Uh, it was uh, Luke, Adam, and myself on one side, and uh, your other son, Aiden, on yeah. the other side. And on our side, on Adam and I's side, I think it was there. A Jake came up. Uh, there may have been a hen or something off yeah. in off in the woods. I couldn't really see. But in the meantime, this gobbler is lighting it up. The, you'd probably throw a rock at this thing if there wasn't like a little mound and a couple of trees in the way, like fifty yards away. The, he had that rattle. You know, he was so close. And Aiden's ready. I mean, he wasn't like you know, nodding off. He was ready. And after a while, this bird comes back up to that road and his head's up and I can see him. I, I saw him for a split second. That bird came up out of that holler. I mean, full body, but he never did stop. He came up, turned right back around and walked right back down in that holler. Now, could one of us have probably shot him? Maybe. I say maybe because that would have been a tricky shot bird never stopped moving he just just enough to get you know within sight and turned right back around and left so you could possibly count that as another shot opportunity on that gobbler yeah. um but looking back if he saw us walking in before daylight then we were dealing with a really boogered bird and then it was at that point we decided to back out and go get breakfast um and to kind of sum up 
the rest of that day. It actually started drizzling rain, like mist and rain. It was cloudy. It was cool. I didn't expect to get anything going after breakfast. It was like, what, mid-morning, 10 yeah. o'clock, 10 or 11 o'clock, maybe 11 by the time we got back to the woods, yeah. that same spot. Uh, I don't think we ever heard that same turkey, uh, but we heard a few more turkeys all throughout till probably one o'clock or so in that weather um set up one more time uh on a on a bird that was really close that started gobbling uh but i think he saw us coming down the trail or something i think we boogered him out of there but um call it a day and then the next day was an excellent hunt we get back to that same spot um go back to that same listening spot and a bird gobbles uh, down the ridge. Let's see. Yeah, it was right down that ridge uh, where we were standing at. We were kind yeah. of standing at the end of it. And I think we were, we well, we were on a time crunch that morning. You guys had to be out of there by 8 or 8.30. Yeah. And so we kind of just told ourselves, like, if we hear one within reasonable distance, right off the bat, we just got to go after him because we don't have time to mess around. And we heard this bird gobbling at the very end of this point. And we start huffing it down through there. And it turns into a big pine thicket. And originally, it was real thick on that end of the pine thicket. And we thought we were going to have to, like, go around it. So we actually started going around this thing. And it opened up maybe 50 yards or so into that thing. We're like, oh, awesome. So we get back up into the pine thicket. And started easing her way back uh, towards this bird, and he gobbled like really close. I don't know that he had flown down then. I don't think maybe. so. If, maybe, if maybe, but probably not. Um, and we're kind of easing our way up through there, and, and it gets to a point the woods are are pretty open, you know, underneath those pines. We're like, I uh, don't really want a chance bumping him, and he's up high too. So, and he's kind of at that same elevation that this tur the turkey was the day before so we hadn't boogered this turkey which may be why he acted a lot different um but he did he pitched down and i think he went around the end of that point like got down below that edge maybe and kind of just worked his way around towards our right um kind of looking for hens i think he was gobbling pretty good the entire time and his gobble was weird for a while because I looked at Adam, we were close enough to talk this time. He had a real short gobble. It was like a half gobble almost. It was like, oh, yeah. oh, or something like that. And I looked at Adam, I was like, is this thing a Jake? And we were really like, I don't no idea. But he got, uh, he ended up getting right up on top of this ridge, the same elevation we were. And he didn't sound like no Jake no more. No. <laughs> <laughs> After he got closer, he didn't. When he got when he got that close, and we did have a decoy out this time. Uh, I just blew up a little Jake decoy and stuck in my vest, and we just had uh, we just had Luke with us. Uh, Aiden decided to sleep in, and we had the decoy out, and this bird, yeah, bird did perfect. He came up, came up on top of that ridge and gobbled, strutted, spitting drum all the way into gun range. And I could see him before y'all could. Uh, but my calling 
was very similar to the day before, if not the exact same. I'd say you were more aggressive on this one, for sure. In your response back to that gobbler, and I'll, I'm going to fill in a couple gaps because that that gobbler did fly. He went down in a holler as well. And mm-hmm. I also thought that this one was going to slip away. I thought he was going to get away. And you were a little bit more aggressive on the yelps and cuts. And one thing that you, you haven't posted in here is we had another gobbler gobble on the other side of us. Like, yeah. so it was a couple of ridges over. Mm-hmm. And as soon as that turkey gobbled, it that was the moment that I think this one committed to get back on the same level as us. Mm-hmm. So once he got back on the same level as us, I think he had probably already committed in his mind that he was coming anyways, but I think that sped him way yeah. up. And well, if, hmm. if you remember when that other turkey started gobbling, mm-hmm. I answered him. Yep. I answered that turkey. And it may have been what draw drew that that bird. I mean, there. he cut that distance hard. Then it, I mean, he got on his on a he covered a hundred feet of elevation from down in that bottom to up top, very quickly. Yeah, and he didn't come running in, but he got on the same elevation as us at that point. Mm-hmm. That's uh, it's interesting, interesting thing because I I think a lot of times if I were to find myself in that situation. If I am working a turkey, if I'm working a bird that's gobbling and another turkey gobbles, I'm not going to work that bird too. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't think about it. I'm like, I'm concentrated on this one. I don't want to kind of, you know what I'm saying? But I, I do see where you're, I, I see the benefit of it. Like now yeah. I'll probably do that. Yeah. I, when I called to that other turkey, it wasn't in an attempt to draw him over there. Right. It was an attempt to make that other one jealous. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think even I think even I threw a Jake Yelp out there maybe once or twice yeah. or something. Uh yeah. but still I just kept, you know, raking in that leaves and purring and all that other, you know, good stuff. Uh in between him gobbling. You know, he'd gobble and I'd answer him maybe every now every once in a while. Um and yeah, he came up on that ridge, man, and he put on a show for a pretty good while before uh, Adam and Luke could see him and uh, I'll let Adam take over for when uh, he actually get, finally got the shot off and what really happened because there was a time there's a when he shot I don't even know if I I don't even remember if I could see that bird mm. so, so the, the decoy was about 20 yards away I think like right at 20 and as Joey mentioned before you know he could see that turkey coming whereas Luke and I could not like just based on where he was at and had some openings in the trees, like he could see him coming. Now I could hear him spitting and drumming. So I knew he was coming. Um, we got Luke, you know, fixated kind of on that decoy. We knew he was coming right down that shooting lane. So he had his safety off. He was set up. But as I saw him coming in, like I think I had a little bit of turkey PTSD from the day before. I'm watching his body language and I'm always trying to like figure out like how long do I want to watch a turkey put on a show before I want to shoot it. And this one, as he came in, he was strutting. And as he's getting close to that decoy, I mean, he's like fully periscoping at this point, kind of looking around. And for me, I was like, Luke, be aggressive, shoot when you can, you know, when his head is up in the air. And so he shot pretty quick after I said that. 
and uh, you know, Joey's like waiting for us to get up and run. Joey must start running. He's like, "What y'all doing?" <laughs> I'm like, "Hold, Joey," because I don't think Joey could see see at this point in time uh, that the turkey did not go down. It was evident that he had been uh, kind of hit, but he was about 10, 10 yards further out, maybe at thirty yards. At this point, I was like, "Shoot him again, Luke. Stand up if you need to." And you know, it was a good clean shot that second time. But mm-hmm. um, I think throwing you know looking back i wish i'd have changed that choke from that gun from a, a little bit tighter of a pattern choke back to that factory pattern mm. uh, factory choke yeah. for luke i probably will do that the rest of the year just give him a little bit more of a wide open spread mm-hmm. to work with he's fired up yeah yeah i don't know who was more fired up i was really fired up because i I was I about ran in front of his gun barrel. Yeah, I think you're like, oh, going. Don't do that. <laughs> it was like, oh, did he did he hit him? Like, what happened? And then Golly. it was later, later on, later on that morning, uh, Adam uh, was talking to him. And he said, "You see, you see how uh, Joey, you know, jumped up to go to go after that turkey as soon as you shot." And he's like, "Yeah," and I'm like, "Yeah, that's a sign that I grew up." shooting cheap shells <laughs> yeah. yeah like we all did yeah. i do it after i shoot i'd run over there i wish i could do that with deer too oh yeah if you know it takes if i'm just sitting there on the ground and i'm just getting up to go move or something it takes me forever man if i shoot a turkey my feet up my feet are up under me and i'm <laughs> like usain bolton uh to that turkey I thought Joey was going to go grab him by the legs while he's just kind of waddling around. Mm-hmm. I heard, uh, Adam, I guess it was you that told me that Joey gets pretty fired up about a, about a turkey. Like, he's pretty reserved. Yeah. Pretty Joey's reserved Mr. most reserved. of the time. He never gets fired up about anything. You kill a turkey, man. Life uh, shoots through his, <laughs> his yeah. bones. He got he got riled up a little bit. Got the spirit of I God love, in him. Yeah. yeah. I love hunting turkeys and I love seeing turkeys get shot. So I'm with it was, you. uh, it was an incredible hunt that yeah. Sunday morning. It was in the top handful of turkey hunts that I've been on. Same for me, just the way, you know, I mean, didn't kill him off the roost, but it was pretty much off the roost within yeah. an hour. Yeah. Uh, the way it worked out, calling him, responding, the spitting, the drumming, the display, um, all of it was just so yeah. textbook, man, and very, very memorable, especially for a first turkey hunt. Like you hope, oh, yeah. you hope first time turkey hunters, if you have a kid, you're going to take like has an experience like that because that's the kind of experience that can hook them versus, you know, there's nothing wrong with like shooting them out of a blind and stuff like that. That's the way uh, me and Aiden have done that. Aiden's missed some out of a blind and they don't, you know, even for me, as I think about best memories, that's not the best memories. The best memories is hunts just like that yeah. where, it's done, I think, the way God intended it with a shotgun and mm-hmm. <laughs> calling them up. Yeah, nothing but air between you and him in the mm-hmm. in the pines too. Oh yeah, like, I don't. There's not many places around here we get to do that. Kill bird in the pines. I know y'all do it all the time in Alabama, Adam. I mean, uh, Parker. Sorry. Uh, all the, all but, the time uh, is a strong statement. I've I have not killed many pine like any many turkeys like in straight pines now the one i killed on opening day here um whatever it was last week last weekend um that was that was kind of the unique thing about that one for me is because it was complete pines right in that spot where i was at and i'd never Mm -hmm. really i don't think i'd ever really done that it's always been kind of mixed hardwoods type stuff 
or straight up yeah. straight hardwoods. Yeah. So uh, I know what you're talking about. It's a unique feeling. Like the shot's mm-hmm. quieter because the pine needle <laughs> pine needles kind of absorb sound. Mm-hmm. Everything is a little less. Uh, like you can run, you don't get a ton of briar stuck in you like you do sometimes yeah. in those little bit thicker hardwoods. It's just mm-hmm. a different. It's a different thing. It's kind of like a. You got hardwoods birds. You got pine birds. You got field birds. Yeah. Well, that was another reason we got up. Uh, we got up into those pines. You know, originally we were trying to get around that pine thicket, and then it opened up, and we were like, you know, walking on those pine needles is going to be a lot quieter than crunching on these tater chip leaves. Yeah. You know, yeah. out here. You know what I like? I like out. to see turkey scratching in the pines. Mm, yeah. It, it kind of like it's a little more noticeable than it is in hardwoods for me because when the turkey scratch in those in the pine needles it kind of looks like a barn like a barn floor mm, you know yeah. what i mean kind of has that like scratched hay type look to it and it's very easily identifiable sometimes you're in hardwoods you find scratching you're like uh, i really want that to be scratched but it might just be where squirrels have run around here armadillo <laughs> yeah. pushed back leaves yeah. you know mm-hmm. um, yeah. and lord trying to find it in places where you got hogs oh gosh yeah that's tough to do <laughs> That's cool. That sounds like a really fun, really fun hunt. I know you guys are pretty fired up about it. Um, yeah. I can't wait to do that. I can't wait to do that with my kids. You were all kinds of poetic, Adam, about that hunt. Like, like it was that was a that was a big one for you. It was oozing out of me. I mean, it's special, you know. Like, uh, Aiden, Aiden. He's big time into fishing, loves to fish, loves football. We kind of got our own thing together that we enjoy, but uh, he's never got really big into the hunting scene. Uh, I called a gobbler up for him a couple of years ago. It was kind of an afternoon hunt. It was very special. Um, He enjoyed it, but I guess like Luke, he just got tore up about it, right? Like I always talk about Aiden. He's Mr. Iceman and doesn't get tore up over anything. Like I think Joey's like, he never gets tore up over anything. And then all of a sudden like you killed Turkey and he got tore up uh Aiden's pretty even kill the whole way through uh Luke was just like out of his mind about it and just, he's still talking about it still showing his girlfriends and friends and showing them the pictures and he's painting pictures my man got <laughs> girlfriends like, not not just yeah. uh he's kind of he's on the plural mama's lock up you you daughters because <laughs> we got a turkey hunter on our hands <laughs> yeah yep a turkey hunter was born that day he wrote out about it that's, he was yeah that's so cool. So, Adam, you said before you told us. Uh, I don't know if you've actually said it on a podcast or not, but you're like, man, I probably shoot a turkey out from underneath my own kids. Like now, <laughs> where you're at yeah. now, you've yeah. seen both of your kids shoot a turkey. Like, is that is that kind of a gimme? Like, you're gonna let them pass on that one. You're not even gonna try to shoot their bird, but next time it's gonna be a. We're both taking guns. First person gets a shot. Okay. Next time we're both taking guns because it will be open for dad. And uh, if he can't get a shot off like he did that first morning, mm-hmm. dad's going to be like throwing it. <laughs> um, I would say that in the future, we're going to ramp him up and we're going to get him some kills, right? Uh, we're going to get him uh, adjusted, acclimated to being a turkey hunter. 
But after that, man, he's on the level. He's on the same playing field. It's going to be three, two, one, or you know, for doubles, and we're, we're going to shoot at the same time in those situations, and then we're going to be alternating after that. And then he's so. going to have to be finding his own spots at some well, point. You know what? I mean, the old timers. You read these old books, and we've talked about turkey hunting literature. You you hear about the old school mentors. Most of them did not take youth or others with them through the turkey pro- hunting process. They would take them out tell them what to do and then send them on their way and say, this is how you do it. But they hunted alone. I talked about that with some, you know, family this past weekend is like, Hey, you know, you get sent out on your own, you do your own thing. You know how to do it now, go figure it out. I think there's a, there's something to that. I think Turkey, I think there, there's a book, Kenny Morgan, one a turkey hunting a one man's game. It is a little bit of a one man's game. So I'll still be a little selfish. My, my favorite part is, uh, you told us afterwards that I think people were asking Luke, you know, details about the hunt and the question would come up about where you killed that Turkey. Oh gosh. Yeah. And he would not disclose that information. And I couldn't have been more proud. Ain't none of your business. Ain't none <laughs> this is what he told a kid at church. He said, it's none of your business. <laughs> I was like, okay. All right. Good boy. Another, and another lesson that he learned that day, we were, we were walking back to the truck. And I thought I heard gravel popping with a truck coming down the road. And <laughs> I think Adam was toting the bird at that point. We were just about ready to just j- dive off into the bushes or chuck that bird off in the bushes when that truck was about to come by. <laughs> I think Luke was kind of wondering what was going on. We were like, yeah, you don't want to see somebody walk out with that turkey over your shoulder. Oh, and when we saw that other kid and guy with a, a turkey, you know, we went to congratulate him, see the turkey. Mm-hmm. We were just straight up basically said oh, we were yeah. in a totally different area than what we really were. <laughs> oh, yeah. He was like, are y'all uh, kind of main road day. or whatever? Yeah, yeah. On this, yeah, he's like, were y'all up, uh, you know, up this such and such road? Yeah, yeah, we were up there. You know, I didn't hear nothing, so yeah, whatever. <laughs> like, then we got it back in the truck and told Luke, right, Luke, you shouldn't lie to people except when it's about hunting, then it's okay. Oh, he loved that. He loved it. Boy, he just embraced that all the way. Somebody lied to his mama. Oh, man. Dude, that's uh, that's fun. I can't wait to do it. You, you actually transitioned pretty nicely, though, into, uh, into the Osceola hunt that I had because I did not show the restraint of uh, – somebody who's not on the gun and i'm gonna i'm gonna tell my story this is this is my story of this hunt you can ask brett his story and he might tell you something completely different um but this is my story of this hunt so we went back to florida i went back to florida by myself this time uh walter i'm gonna i'm gonna try to do this as fast as i can too because i know we're running low on time but walter Basically sent me a whole bunch of pins and said, I would start right here. This is a great spot. Um, I did, at first, I don't think I knew everything about this spot, but he, he said, this is a great spot. I'd start here and kind of work your way around. So first couple of days went in there. There were turkeys, you know, one or two, maybe turkeys, goblin in this area. And so, you know, I, it was, it was good. I ended up going and finding some other turkeys and had a really, really good hunt one of those days where I heard, I mean, no less than probably seven birds gobbling. They were, it seemed like they were on every side of me. And that was in a different area than this other spot. But Brett Mashburn, our buddy, um, 
who we had on the Southern Ground podcast last week talking about deer, he um, he was coming up that day, and Walter was like, hey, Brett's going to hunt with you. I was like, sweet. You know, at this point, like, I know Brett pretty good. We hadn't really hunted together a ton. So I don't really, I don't know his experience turkey hunting. Like, is he, has he shot a bird before? Because that's a different dynamic, you know, has he, and I was pretty sure he had, he had shot, you know, multiple birds or whatever. And he had, he told me he had shot six, uh, I think is what he told me. He shot six turkeys. And uh, so he's not a new turkey hunter. He's just kind of getting into being a turkey hunter. You know what I mean? Um, he's just kind of always, it, it's taking a back seat. Uh, but he had yeah, shot a, a few. Guy. Yeah, he's a deer guy and mm-hmm. whatever. And he still is, but he's starting to get a little mm-hmm. more into turkeys. So, um, we get out there and sure enough, there's, there's a turkey goblin like crazy. You know, he's going nuts. Uh, we get in close, probably within 120 yards. I've got my gun set on my knee. Um, but I'm behind Brett's definitely in the spot, right? Like he's in, he's in front of me just a little ways. He's in the spot to shoot where we feel like this turkey is going to pitch down at. Now this is Florida, but it is, um, it is like a little more terrain than what you would imagine in Florida. Like it, it hunts very similar to some parts of Alabama, even. Adam, would you, would you, you kind of see what I'm talking about? It's like, it's very hard woods. Oh yeah. Like mixed it's, pines. It's not like your South Florida type of habitat and terrain uh-huh. where you're at. It's a little bit different. Yeah. Alabama. It's kind of, it's kind of what I was wondering. You said you got 120 yards from that bird. And in my mind, I'm thinking of like a flat, I guess, a somewhat dry swamp or whatever terrain mm-hmm. with little to no, you know, topography. But it makes more sense if you're able to get in tight enough to 120 yards that you had something between you and that bird. Yeah, so it's pretty thick woods, like yeah. pretty big woods too. And so we walk the trail from the truck. We walk the trail. And, um, there's this little, little listening spot basically, uh, that kind of is in between the places where Walt typically hears birds at. And me and Brett stand there, we hear a turkey goblin and he is, we're on the access trails on top of a ridge. That ridge kind of goes down into a big bottom. And then there's another little finger ridge that comes up and we felt like he was on that little finger ridge, uh, right there. So we had a creek between us and him and some pretty thick woods. So there was a really nice opening in the bottom and it was a wide bottom too. So doesn't have like steep banks or anything like that. It was pretty wide. So this turkey's hammering and he's going crazy. And in my head, I'm calling a turkey for Brett, right? And so I'm thinking, um, I'm thinking clearer, you know what I mean? I'm not thinking like I'm about to have to shoot turkey my first priority is filming and calling and whatever um brett's not a super experienced caller he's getting better at it uh, so i was calling and doing all the calling on this one but i didn't give him much like it was just some tree yelps just really light 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 tree yelps probably if i had been intending to be a shooter the shooter i might have done things different you know what i mean like i'm i might have not thought as clearly but in this scenario, I did, and I just gave him really light stuff, and he was just going crazy, hammering, hammering, hammering. And I think I gave him like a like a four-note tree yelp maybe twice, 
before fly down and he he gobbled so many stinking times well finally he flew down and flew into the tree right above brett like literally in this giant pine above brett just looking down into the into the you know forest floor looking for a hen and he ain't seeing nothing and he's not gobbling at this point either he's just there and i've got a camera that's up on him i've got my gun pointed kind of in his direction of where he could potentially fly down to and you know i'm i'm you know going through all these motions right well when i look over at brett brett's got his gun on his lap um and you'll find out why later his tree wasn't as good like there was a little a little bit of a slant in the ground right there and so he was kind of having to hold himself up with his other hand so that he didn't move because his turkey now is just right above us so i'm stuck i can't really move i can't see the turkey but i know where he's at he's like behind a cluster of leaves in a in a tree that's next to me um and so i just kind of put my hand underneath my opposite leg and start just raking on the leaves just trying to make some type of noise get him because he can't see me because I can't see him and I'm just trying to make some type of noise and he's not doing anything well he does that for 20 minutes just sits there we're both frozen our cameras are dead we both have cameras that are running but at this point we can't even move to stop the recording so our batteries are dead um my insta 360 is still going so i kind of got that as a backup and so 20 minutes later this turkey flies to another tree directly behind us like maybe 15 the tree is probably 15 yards behind us but it's a tall tree so he's basically right above us now i was able to move my gun with where he went i was moving as he went brett's still in the exact same position like with his gun looking like it's in his lap from where I'm at. So when he gets to probably right there, I whisper to Brett, um, can you see him in the limb? Can you see him on the limb? And he said, no, but I know where he is. I think, I think that's what he said. And I knew, I knew where I thought he was as well. And I'm like, kind of looking, I'm like, man, I don't, I don't know how Brett's going to be able to get a shot off on this bird. I just don't know how it's going to happen. So I'm, I'm propped up like this, looking at it, looking at the bird. Then he flies to another tree a little bit further behind us. And when he did that, he was now probably 80 yards well out of sight um, of being able to actually see us. He would have to fly down. And at this point, I still haven't given him hardly anything because I didn't want to give away our exact location. Um, he called it all. While he was that close, no, when he flew back over to you guys, okay, no, you just been completely silent. I, yeah, I, I may have done like when he went into that first tree, I may have done a little bit of like soft whining type stuff, um, like maybe some little clucks and whistles and things while I was scratching, um, but I stopped doing that really quick and it wasn't a whole lot. But after that, I wasn't doing anything. Well, then he flew back to that far tree behind us, like literally directly behind us. I'm looking at Brett. Brett's still awkward position. I'm in a good position for it, to be honest. I'm, I'm pretty comfortable right there in the spot. And I, I tell Brett, I was like, hey, whoever gets a shot needs to shoot him. 
Um, and that was me basically saying, if I get a shot, I'm pulling the trigger. Um, yeah. because I don't know at this point, I don't know that Brett is struggling to stay up on, <laughs> on where he's sitting at. I don't realize this is going on. All I can see is his gun sitting in his lap. And I'm like, this Joker ain't ready <laughs> to shoot no dang Turkey. <laughs> that's doing what this Turkey's doing. I'm still amazed. So this is tree number four. Yeah. Tree number four all together. Yeah. This bird has not touched the ground yet. He has tree hopped. Four trees. Well, and it's taken him, and it's taken him an hour to do it. So all other turkeys in the in the vicinity had probably already flew down by now. Absolutely, yeah. You think that he just saw something he didn't like around y'all, but was curious enough to not leave? Well, I'm just amazed at that. This turkey, um, I had hunted him. I believe it was the same bird. Like the very first day I was there, late morning, it was 11 o'clock. I struck him up in that, basically that same spot. And he covered so much stinking ground. I think I may have talked about it in the last podcast I was on. He, like, I, I got up to make a move on him and he gobbled again and it was right there. And it, it wasn't two minutes after his first gobble, which sounded like it was 500 yards away. I made a quick adjustment, a quick move, and I'm pretty sure I bumped him. Um, Walter had the same thing happen in that spot, like two days before that. And then one of Walter's uh, Walter's neighbor, I think, had another encounter with him on opening day where he kind of did the same thing. And he told Walter, Walter's neighbor told Walter, like, hey, this bird in here, be careful because he covers ground quick. And we wondered, like, if maybe he's just tree hopping. Like, I think it's a real possibility. And you know what's funny is later in the week, we had another situation where we bumped a turkey and he went to, he resorted straight to tree hopping. Hmm. Like, we bumped him up, he flew to a tree, sat in that tree, and we kind of worked our way around him. We're like, where did this turkey go? We didn't know that he went into a tree. We're like, where did this turkey even go? And finally we bumped him again out of another tree like an hour later. Um, so this is a thing that seems like could be a possibility, something I haven't seen before. But I'll tell you what happened. So um, I, when he gets to that further tree, I do start calling to him a little bit more. And he starts gobbling again. And then he starts like double gobbling. And he starts going crazy. And I'm like, all right, this bird is not convinced there's a hen here. I've just basically got to get him fired up. So much to the point where he just can't stand it. He's too far away now to see. He's just got to not be able to stand it. And I think that last tree he may have been in for five, four or five minutes. And he flew down. And I'll never, it is a permanent image in my mind. This turkey flew down directly at me. Like, all I could see was his wings and his head. And he kind of, you know how they'll catch theirself? They'll pull their wings up, catch theirself in that wind, and like their their fan kind of flops up. He did all that. He put those wings behind him, and I shot him right there. And wow. Brett was like, I was just about to pull my gun up. <laughs> and I said, man, I was like, at that point, it don't really matter. Somebody just needs to shoot this turkey. We've been sitting here on our butts, you know, frozen solid for an hour waiting on this turkey to just fly down 
golly, it was oh. a crazy hunt. And Brett was a good sport about it, you know. And I think afterwards when we kind of – he didn't hear me say that, first off. Uh, he didn't hear me say whoever has the first shot shoot. Um, I didn't realize that his gun was actually – it wasn't that his gun was in his lap. It was that he just – his other hand was being used. Um mm-hmm. If I had to do it over again, I'd probably do it the exact same way. And I would hope somebody else would do that to me, too. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like when you're in those type of situations, I do think it is important to kind of, like, we start out with, we, we have the intentions, but the end goal is to have a good hunt and have a dead turkey at the end of it. Mm-hmm. And, um you know, if it's somebody's first turkey or something like that, I think it's a little bit different story. But when you're hunting with yeah. your buddies, you know, let's just go kill. Let's just go kill one. Yeah. Everybody needs to be ready to kill one. Yeah. Yep. There's some reason that I can't get a shot at, you know, a turkey after a situation like that. Somebody needs to kill that turkey. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody. For sure. I don't care who. Somebody needs to kill that turkey. Well, Adam, I'm, uh, I've got, I'm running out of battery on my computer. <laughs> so, we need to hear this. Uh, we need to hear this Rio story, which is uh, a good one, really good one. I'll try to make it a little bit quick. Um, so we get out there into this area, and obviously, you know, we have not been to this area during daylight, so we have no idea what we're getting into, uh, what it's going to look like. We're pretty much dropped off on a logging road. The guide says, "Hey, here you go. Try to stay in this area." I'll see you guys back, you know, around lunchtime, come pick you back up. So um, I did ask him before, you know, he left. I said, where are these? And I'd asked him the night before too, where are the turkeys roosting in the past? And he had kind of gave me some direction of different places. They might be roosting. He had said that they were going to be roosting in uh, kind of an area way off away from a creek, but there was a creek up in front of us. So I kind of thought that they would probably be closer to that creek. Sure enough, you know, the daylight breaks. Um, these these turkeys didn't start gobbling until really way past daylight. Once daylight hit, um, I'd say those turkeys that Joey and I was hunting this weekend, they were probably gobbling by six o'clock, which that's like mm-hmm. breaking daylight. That these turkeys in Texas, I mean, it was like daylight, daylight, and then they started hammering, and then they're on the roost. So I think at this point, we have identified where three gobblers are at. We don't exactly know where they're roosted. Um, we just kind of set up and, and, and do the best we can in a blind calling situation to set up and call, not knowing the terrain, not knowing, you know, kind of what's next. Uh, these turkeys come off the roost. They end up getting way above us, which is opposite of what Joey and I experienced where the turkey flew down low. These turkeys went above us up into the best I can describe it is like a cactus patch. Uh, there's just all kinds of mesquite. There's all kinds of cactus. It's really thick. Um, they worked we thought they were working away from us. Uh, we ended up making a, a circle, got on these turkeys, got up inside of that mesquite and cactus. And I'm talking, I think we did a locator call. Maybe they gobbled on their own. I can't remember, but one turkey gobbled like gosh, 80 yards away. So it's blowing us out. We hit the ground. There's two more turkeys and it's gobbling in a different direction. So we're like, we're in it right now. The bad part is, is we have zero visibility uh, of where we're at and uh, and kind of where these turkeys are. So, you know, is it, we're just it, doing the do best. Do you have thing. bad visibility because it's so thick in there? It's just, it's thick. Just like it's, mesquite thick, cactus thick? 
Yes, uh, mesquite, cactus, brush. Uh, I literally, from where that turkey was at, I could only see 10 yards in front of me, max. Like, it's that kind of thick. And and, and and you're not talking about thickets that you can kind of maneuver around in and belly crawl in. Like, you can't do anything. No, it's it's rock and it's loud. So it's well, a very quiet. And it's also room. pointy and it will hurt you very badly. Stick, sticky oh. and stabby. <laughs> yeah. It's sticky and, and also stabby. there's snakes. There's rattlesnakes. Rattle At this point, we hadn't seen the rattlesnakes, thank God, because uh, we saw some later that was big as tree limbs. <laughs> It felt like, but, uh, at this point I hadn't seen any, so that wasn't really going through my mind, but yeah, they were obviously there. And at some point I did, I was thinking about trying to make a move through those rocks and cactus because this, I'm just doing some real soft calling. I mean, this Turkey is on top of us and he is hot and he is trying to find us. He is gobbling, double gobbling, triple gobbling. Adam, I gotta, I, can... I, I want to interrupt yeah. you real quick. Why, why would, like, you're a pretty experienced turkey hunter. Why did you set up in the, in the thick stuff? Maybe I missed that. We didn't have a choice. It was okay. uh, when we heard him fire off, he was so close. We didn't have anywhere to go. I like gotcha. we didn't have anywhere to go, but like hit the ground. It was one of those situations. The good thing is, is we had plenty of cover, so it didn't matter. Um, we did not anticipate hearing this turkey gobble. We thought we got up there and we had lost these birds. We had no clue where they were at. So for him to gobble right on top of us was like crap, you know, like we've gotten too close, but it, I mean, it wouldn't have mattered if we'd had some shooting lanes because I can literally hear this turkey's wings scraping the ground and he never was like spitting and drumming. Boy, I could just hear that rocks going through. I was like, my gosh, he is just right on top of us. Well, unbeknownst to me, there's another group of hunters. Now we're hunting thousands of acres and they're, and we're on private land with an outfitter and this, they had dropped off another group of hunters, like 25 acres away. So we're only <laughs> hunting 25 acre blocks. And I didn't know that. Like none of us knew that we didn't like go and measure it all out. This dude is coming up on this Turkey. And I didn't like all, from all I know is, is he's on me one second and he's gone the next. And I hear him gobble like 200 yards away. And I'm like, what the heck just happened? So like, we kind of get up, I get up with, with, um, guys with brian and i was like man what, what happened to that turkey he's like i don't know i was like well let's try to reposition on him again and like we take three steps and another hunter pops up and like hey did y'all hear that turkey like <laughs> yeah uh, no nah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah dude uh we we heard him um so he had came up and got above him and i think he pushed him off now that could have worked out in my favor where he had pushed him like on top of me but it didn't uh that turkey he he took off went back towards the road and so at that moment, we we're like, all right, man, we're going to go, you know, we're going to go back to our area. You go wherever you want to go, but we're going back to our area. And so we had a good idea where this gobbler went. And so we made a huge circle to get around him. Uh, got back on the two track, walked a very long way, uh, making sure, hey, we didn't bump him. There was a lot of, I don't want to say a lot of elevation, but there's some like ridges and open terrain where he could have seen us. So we're trying to get around all of that to where he cannot see us moving in closer. We circle way around kind of in a, a moment of de desperation. We get to where we think that he should be at least to where he can hear us call um, set up on a logging road, kind of got more of an open uh, habitat terrain. Like there's cactus mesquite, but now it's open it's a little bit like you got some grass popping up, even in West Texas. It, it's, this is Turkey terrain here. Like if you're finding a, a strut zone, things of that nature, this is where he's going to be. 
uh, it's like, okay, let's, let's just stop here. Let's set up and let's call. So we set up, call, call I think call the first time, get nothing, 10 minutes later. So uh, just hit hit it again. Boom, he gobbles. He's probably three, 400 yards away. I was like, okay. He responded right to that, answered back to him. Um, I think at that point, I can't remember how excited I was in the volume, but he's so far away. I'm thinking I'm yelping to him, kind of like an excited yelp. He he fires back. He continues to close the distance. He probably went from 350, 300 yards to 200 yards very quick. He's acting like a Rio at this point. He's wanting to die. So I, I stopped calling. Like, I'm done. After he's cut that distance, I'm like, I'm not calling again. And I can hear him gobble. <laughs> he's just getting closer. At about 100 yards, we can see him coming down this road at that point. He's just strutting. He'll strut, and then he'll come out of strut and run strut come out of strut and run and then he gets to a point to where he's like okay i should see this hen but he is nowhere to, like he's not seeing us um so he's kind of periscoping looking again i'm like paying attention to his body language and i'm worried he's about to leave so i do i'm like just a couple of little soft yelp and man he does he gets back into his strut and run mode and it was on after that like his he's just gobbling and strutting and running and running to the gun barrel at that point i shot him I didn't want him to get too close because I was afraid he was about to run like over us. And I'm going to be shooting a softball at him. So, um, yeah, it, it was textbook, man. Textbook, Texas. It's what you hope for yeah. uh, when you go to Texas to find a Rio that just wants to die. And boy, we found one and he put on a show real quick. That is, God, I love Rios. I love them so much. They're fun. Oh, man. It's yeah, uh, what I said last week, just after hearing about Parker, your hunt last year and Adam's hunt. Well, now. And but his experience that he was talking about last week, like I cannot wait to get back after a Rio Grand Turkey. I love them. That's the point of this podcast. Is just we said all of that to say hunting Rios is fun as crap. <laughs> yeah, just go hunt Rios. <laughs> just it's go. a heck of a lot of fun. <laughs> we can talk about tactics if we want to, but really at the end of the day, Rios are the most fun. <laughs> yeah, you ain't got to have much tactics for Rios, man. They just come right in there, suicidal. The way I like them. Yeah. Dude, those I've never seen such red heads on gobblers either. Oh, I know. Boy, they just they just look like they're they look like some banditos, man. They get mad at you. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Well, boys they look like you're bleeding. My computer is literally telling me like, hey, you better you better shut it's this thing down. It's a Rio. It's ready to die. It's re- <laughs> it is ready to die. But I enjoyed this debrief. I hope we can do some more. I really hope yeah. we can actually do some more yeah. here in the in the coming days. So yep, I hope so too. Yes, guys, if I'm going to be very depressed and mad. If if, uh, if the listeners like these kind of type of episodes, let us know. We always kind of wonder if people even want to hear our own thoughts on stuff. But yeah, I mean, I like the conversation. I like. We you didn't guys. talk about golf or anything, so that was good. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we kept it all good. I'm good with that. Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Hey, thanks for listening to the Limhanger Turkey Hunting Podcast. Hope you tune in next week for another great conversation about our favorite bird in the woods as the wild turkey. We'll talk to you guys next week.